Hi everyone and welcome to our first live Ask Us Anything session. My name is Frans Houdendorp and together with Ronnie de Jong, we are hosting these sessions. Every month we will hosting a live Ask Us Anything. So if you have any suggestions about topics, please let us know through our email addresses or through social media. In this session, nothing is under NDA, so feel free to share your experiences about this session on the social media channels. In the kickoff of the user group Workplace Ninjas Netherlands, we had a survey about the topics. And the topic of security awareness uh, was the most voted topic. So this time we are moving into security awareness. And I think, Ronnie, we don't do that on our own, isn't it? Uh, that's true. Uh, thank you, uh, Frans. Yeah, I'm pleased to introduce you Wilbert uh, Beinerberg. I know Wilbert uh, Beinerberg from a masterclass which I attended uh, last year. And Wilbert was educating us about security awareness. So we reached out to Wilbert and uh, Wilbert was uh, willing to be our guest in this podcast. And yeah, first of all, welcome uh, Wilbert. Thank you for your participation. Great to have you. You started in the 90s uh, in the consultancy, security consultancy. If I informed well, you started or founded in 1999 uh, InfoSecure. Ever since then, you, you are involved in, in the, um, security awareness. Perhaps you can introduce yourself, who you are and what, what company you're working for. InfoSecure already mentioned and yeah, from there on, uh, uh, move on. Thanks. <laughs> My name is Wilbert Pijnenburg. I really started a long time ago. I think I started in 1993. As more as, a, as an engineer, I joined a company called uh, Triple Pay. I had my own department. In that time, uh, the internet was just new and we started to connect companies to the internet. And the first question was, uh, can we do it secure? So we needed a sort of department of how can we connect companies in a secure way to the internet. That was, I think, in 1995, something like that. But for me, I was always interested in the process and, and in people. So for me, technology was also always a little bit, mm, you have to have it, but there is more than that. So I tried to focus more on, on processes and, and people. And in 2003, I went to uh, Tolindus and they had a rather large group in Belgium uh, focusing on IT governance and risk management. So it was for me more a sort of consultancy job. And in 2007, I was asked by the old owner of InfoSecure, and he said, I'm focusing completely on the human factor of information security. I'm looking for a director of the Netherlands for the Netherlands. And uh, are you interested in uh, talking about this function? So in 2007, I entered uh, InfoSecure. And since that time, I'm focusing completely on the subject of human factor, information security, security awareness. We ended up in the measure quadrant of Gardner in 2014, I think. So for a, a small Dutch company, I think that's a rather uh, big achievement. So it was very nice to end up there. And um, yeah, now it's uh, 2020. And um, I think at this moment, everyone is, is asking for security awareness and focusing on human factors. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's a booming business. And uh, yeah. yeah. We see a little bit that technology alone is not enough. So um, and for me at this moment, I have a function for uh, as a, co a commercial director at, uh, at the InfoSecure, but I have a technology background and a consultant background. So very nice to operate a little bit from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, what, what you mentioned when it comes to timing, also uh, the, the poll last month with the community, we asked us what topics uh, are you interesting in and security awareness was one of the most voted topics as Franz mentioned. To move on, we have some statements, a short, true, false, and based on that, that will be more or less the foundation to move this conversation ahead. And the first statement is uh, the weakest link of security in organizations are people. True or false? False. False. Interesting. Let's keep that. Security awareness is not a project, but a process. True. And never ending. Never ending. Okay. Security awareness. Maturity level is high. We are uh, certainly able to recognize risks. No, false. Yeah, I think many organizations are just starting the process. Not really mature, but... There is attention for security awareness, but it's not always appreciated. Uh, false. We have our security in order, but are too lax when it comes to our own safety. Yeah, it's a little bit of question, what is safety? If you really mean personal safety, false. Okay. And the last one, awareness largely depends on the tone of the top. That's a difficult one. I say false. I know that it's very important, and I'm always focusing on the importance of, of management and management commitments. But if you have to choose... Yeah, not it's not the most important part uh, that you can do so much uh, without it. So that's false, but it, it is very important. That's interesting because the first statement I was asking you, the weakest link of security in organizations are people. And, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you answered that one with false. Yeah, I hate a little bit the expression. In English, we say, okay, the, the weakest link, but you often also hear it's the human stupidity. That's even more awful. Organization, they run around people. And you can't say that people are the weakest link. And I know that we have a lot of issues with our people and we have to train them and educate them. Yes, that's very important and we can change them. And we really have to learn what skew behavior is. But it's also a little bit our mistake that technology is too difficult or that they don't understand it. And I think it's our responsibility that we educate them better and that, that we train them and that they get the skills they need. And I think it's a little bit uh, sort of you can't mention that people are the weakest link. It's more yeah, shortcoming of our profession. Yeah, but it's because mostly we, we are thinking in, in, in way of technology and applying the technologies and, and based on applying the successful rate of the technologies, we are assuming we did the job. We are good to go and it's not always taking care of the user convenience and situation where everything is digitizing. We are expecting from our end users, they're also involving and getting majority in those skills, but that's by default not the case, I suppose. So I can imagine why you're a little bit angry or not really like that statement in a way that you're yeah, uh, ruling out your end users that they are the weakest link. Would you say it's a short command? should be a better statement that we have to empower employees in a better way. That's a better statement and it focuses more on the purpose than focusing on that people are the weakest link because it's so negative. Yeah. And in fact, I think we will mention it in this conversation. Phishing is often, is often mentioned, but when I go into a workshop and I show four or five links to employees and I ask them, can you recognize the phishing link? 80% of my public recognize the phishing link. And the question is then, 
whose fault is that? That they can't recognize them. Is that the fault of the employee or is that the person who should educate employees and are responsible for safe behavior? And I think yeah. it's the organization who should give the employees the necessary skills. And you cannot go to the employee and say, ah, oh, you are the weakest link. I never told you how to do it. I never trained you. I never gave you the skills, but you are the weakest link. And that's a little bit why I think it's a, the wrong thing. From the other end, for a long time, we, we educated our end users to select link because the purpose of a link is to click on it. And now we are saying you're not to click on the link. So it's a little bit contradictory. Uh, so oh, yeah. I mean, and we also made it rather easier. You have a long link, uh, so it's too difficult. Let's make a simple word. Click here. That's, yeah. It's easier. So everyone says, oh, click here. So we click. And we are, we are not only doing that in an email. Eh? We're also doing that if you go to Twitter, uh, all the links are too big and too large. Let's make a sort of simplified version. And we call it Bitly and, and we make it very short. That's difficult. Assessing security awareness is often focused on phishing. You, you mentioned a few examples of phishing and not only by email, but we also seeing it, it's moving forward to WhatsApp or SMS. Why is security awareness mostly focusing on, on phishing? Why is that so important? Uh, on one hand, because a lot of attacks happen starting with phishing. Uh, I once heard a, a person, I think, from uh, PwC, and he said it's it's much easier to crack a person and buy it 25 cents and, and call him up. It's much easier than to crack billion-dollar technology. Yeah, people are easy. Phishing is used for most of the attacks. Phishing is used for a lot of ransomware attacks. So it, it's an important part. The problem I have a little bit, if we only focus on phishing, that we forget that there is so much more. Phishing is just maybe 100 part of all the things you want to change. So there's also a threat in only focusing on phishing. Phishing is important. And yes, we have to focus on it, but there is much more. We have a lot of other issues. We have to prevent data leakage. We have to prevent that people send emails to the wrong people. We have a lot of sensitive information in it. Uh, we have to be careful with all the confidential information on, on desks. We want to have all these screens closed. Yeah, if you go to an hospital and uh, you sit there with your physician and he uh, walks away for his coffee and he leaves his screen open, you can see all the information from the patient before him. So there are a lot of things we want to communicate and we want to train. And it's often a little bit of pity that we only focus on fishing. And sometimes I get it because if you go to the market, you go to the players and also a lot of USA players, yeah, they started with fishing. They have a nice tool. So what would you do if you only sell a fishing tool? You want to focus on fishing. So you give the people a little bit the idea that everything is around fishing. That's not the case. That's not the case. There is much more, but phishing is important. Go to all the attacks in, in the Netherlands also. At University of Maastricht, it started with phishing. Go to the other attacks, it started with phishing. Go to ransomware attacks. A lot of these attacks start with phishing. So it's an important one. But remember that there is much more. A lot of data leakage is not about phishing. It's about sending information to the wrong people. So you have to have a sort of holistic view and be careful that you don't narrow your vision and only focus on that part. So in one way, yes, it is important, but be careful. 
but you shouldn't limit it only to fishing. And what you mentioned, it's an holistic approach. You have multiple actors or threats to take into account. That's actually what you're saying. If we look at the topics, uh, Robert, I mentioned fishing. I think uh, Ronnie mentioned already voice fishing and other topics. What are other topics that can we cover? What I see in my environment, uh, WhatsApp fishing and all that sort of stuff. What other topics do we have? If you go to a uh, company and look at what risks are, then there's a lot about also the, the paper uh, th- lying around and, and screens, they are still open and people are uh, talking about each other and uh, with, with confidential information. But maybe also if you look to data classification, is everyone putting the right data classification on the documents and do they operate accordingly? Now, often not. Then you have to teach that working at home. It's at this moment, it's, uh, I think it's uh, rather hot. Working at home, what do you show? A couple of months, there was an incident with the Dutch Minister of Defense. She showed her password of a comp call in a Twitter picture. And we all start laughing because we think that's not really smart. Now it's not smart, but she did it. Nothing to do with phishing, but it can have an enormous impact. So showing confidential information in this kind of things and working at home with all your family around, that are all topics which you should take with you in that security awareness program. So that's much more. Mobile devices, also operating mobile devices. Uh, We spend a lot of time on the privacy settings of, for example, apps. Nobody knows that there are privacy settings, but I think it's very important to teach them. So there are a lot of items, uh, much more than, than only fishing, where we can focus on. And also for uh, special target groups, if you go to a CEO fraud, the invoicing fraud, that kind of things. Yeah, there's also items for a security awareness program. It's maybe it's a little bit follow the money, eh? but because a lot of attackers, they, they want to uh, have a sort of uh, financial benefit. And uh, you only have to follow the money to, uh, to look, okay, where's that money going? That's why I, I mentioned the CEO fraud and the invoicing fraud. That's where the, where the money goes. So that's much more. Yeah, and you already mentioned working from home. Working from home and the relation with security awareness. How can we deal with that? Is there some specific training materials or assessing uh, tools that we can use to deal with working from home? You already said, if uh, someone is accessing your private office and there are documents or your screen is open, is there something that we can use for a specific working from home? The basic of awareness is often awareness. And um, I think that first people have to be careful a little bit. Okay, you're not working at the office anymore. It's it's not a safe environment. Your wife, your your man, uh, the children, they are all playing around. That's also a thing you have to look around. Now, that's training, basic awareness. We are not doing that until now. That's an important part. Yeah, training and awareness. Yeah, if we look at training... We also have assessing tools that we can use if we deliver some training materials. And how do I measure if my security awareness training is working from home or for other users? Sometimes it's it's even more difficult. If you want to measure the effectiveness of training, it's often asked, how can you measure it? Then we have a lot of examples. I have an organization, they wanted to know which employee is sending confidential information into the cloud. And for this organization, uh, we had a sort of tool we could measure the quantity of data, which was going to, for example, Dropbox, because you have tooling for that. 
But that tooling normally only works when you're in the office, when you're using the internet gateway of your company. But then when people start working at home, they often don't use the internet connection of, of the company anymore. So it's, it's much more difficult to monitor that behavior. Sometimes in an organization, it's easy to do, but when they are not in the organization anymore and they start using their own internet connection, it, it's much more difficult. You can just solve this problem by saying, okay, you have to go to the office and connect with the VPN connection, and then you go to the internet via the, the organization's internet connection. That could be a solution, but that's not what's happening in, in most of the cases. That makes it more difficult to follow and monitoring your employees. So it doesn't help. Before uh, March, not a lot of people were working at home, but I think that after March, uh, maybe 80% or 90% is, uh, is working at home. So there are new challenges. Uh, yeah. How do we monitor it? And also, if you want to measure behavior, if you go to our programs, we often advise something like do sort of observation. 12 o'clock, go and walk around and just see what documents are lying, uh, who left his screen open, uh, what happens in the office. But you cannot do that when people are working at home. You cannot say, oh, I have a security officer, let's go to the homes and see how they are working there. So that makes it more difficult to see what happens and to measure and monitor behavior. So it doesn't help, but it makes it more complex. Of course, you can measure in terms of, of technology and, and monitoring traffic. But on the other side, if the behavior of your users, and uh, they are aware of it, Mm -hmm. then you don't really need those controls. And although new technology are also facing that part and are able to monitor uh, traffic at home, for example, it's on a different layer. But because of the user is aware of its own behavior, then the technology is, is becoming less relevant, I would say. Yeah. Because whether you're at the office or when you're working from home, if you still have the awareness, okay, I don't have to click on malicious links or other things or just locking my screen as I do at the office or when I'm going to drive my car, I, I'm putting my seatbelts by default. Yeah, by default is very nice, especially in our business. Eh? That would be the best thing to accomplish if it's sort of a standard thing. If you want to change behavior in a lot of ways, you want to teach something, but you also want to check it. And yeah. if you check it, it's sort of plan to check act. Uh, then you want to give them feedback and, and try to uh, solve a little bit the people who are not behaving as expected. Yeah. Uh, but if you cannot measure it, you cannot observe it, then it's much more, yeah, it's, it's much more difficult to check if we are effective. And that makes it a little bit difficult at home. You are talking about a sort of automatism. And that's the final goal. Uh, but before we reach that goal, normally you have to check a little bit. Eh? And uh, I think it's the same with the speed limit on, on a highway. If there wasn't a police car checking your speed, then I think that everyone was driving too fast. Eh? Sometimes it's nice that you have a sort of checkpoint yeah. uh, and feedback to, to a car. Are you speeding? And um, I think we need that a little bit. And it's more difficult than, than working at home. Are you also actually saying that it is forcing you to adjusting your, your practices when it comes to security awareness? And, and normally we are able to plan, do, check, act at the enterprise. And I, I noticed a, a question in, in the chat, uh, what is the best approach to create a security awareness in an enterprise? So it's forcing you also to monitor that in a different way, even when we are working from home. 
how does that impact your way of measuring your security awareness effectiveness? Yeah, for measuring it's more difficult. But if you, for example, look at uh, a training and an approach, then you see a sort of shift. Uh, many organizations uh, before Corona, they, for example, they did a sort of workshop once in a year and then they invited someone and they did a nice talk and then uh, the, the group in a room. What you see at this moment, nobody is going into a room anymore with a lot of people. So they are changing. So we see a much more focus on digital communication, much more focus on continuous education. But that's the first change. If you look to last year, many organizations did something with a sort of communication. They, they produced posters, they put it on walls with a nice message. But, but yeah, you can put it on your wall in your office, but nobody's going to offices anymore. So what yeah. you see at this moment, they, they change it. They try to focus more on screensavers or backgrounds. So when people go to their home, they still can have that message because you take your computer with you. So now maybe if you uh, go for a cup of coffee and you come back and there is a screensaver, so you have maybe that message on your screensaver. And last year, that message was on your, hanging on your wall, and now it's on your screensaver. So there are also small uh, changes you can do when, when people are working at home more. Uh, but the measuring part is more difficult than before. But on the other hand, maybe it's also much more difficult to walk in. And eh? when, when you have a big office, we rented the mystery guest and they walked in. It's much more difficult to go to every home and, and walk in. <laughs> so that's also an advantage of working at home. Measuring is much more difficult. I think that's also important building your, your security awareness structure and if you're able to measure it, you're also able to see whether it's successful or not or it's, it's effective or not. Uh, can you give us uh, other examples uh, like the question in the chat, uh, what is the best approach to create the security awareness uh, within an enterprise environment? Can you give us a few examples, uh, what, what are the foundational parts of, of building an, an security awareness uh, strategy? I mentioned a minute ago that many organizations, they had some sort of presentation and they invited persons. And then my first reaction always is, yeah, but that's only a one-time event. And so my first reaction normally is it has to be something continuously. A one-time event in a year is, is not enough. Uh, so there has to be more incentives. That's a little bit the first. The second is that people don't always like to spend their time and attention on security awareness. Uh, they have another core business, they have other things to do. So the second thing always is, okay, how can I make it nice for the employees? And what you see in the last year is that we try to focus more and more on, on gamification, on storytelling, make it more enjoyable and increase engagement because then employees don't think it's boring anymore and you don't have to force employees in going to, into training. So, Maybe if you look to the format, it's becoming more and more important. It doesn't tell anything about the content. It doesn't tell anything about uh, what you try to learn. But if it's enjoyable, it's much more easy to ask people to spend time on this kind of thing. So that's, I think, it's a development. Another thing also is that if you continue this a little bit in the engagement and also a fun factor, you are, one of the things you ask is awareness is largely depend on the tone of the top. And uh, I, I said this false because I think there's much more needed than only the tone at the top. But the tone in the top is very important. And in many organizations, you see a sort of security officer and he's responsible for the awareness program. And he is the man who does everything. 
But I think that's a little bit wrong because the CISO should be the guy who's facilitating everything. But it is very nice if you can push it to your management who is doing the program for you, uh, who's asking employees and in inviting employees and telling that's important. And you need that a lot. And that's not only done. And in the past, what you saw a little bit that there was a lot of negative ideas about managers who are pushing employees. And what we're doing now a little bit, we try to make it more sort of uh, competition. And that helps a lot. So in the past, we said, okay, you have to do this training program, but only 10% of all your employees follow the training program. So you have to go back to your employees and ask them to do it. And now we turn it around. We go to all management and we say, these five departments, they are the best departments and they did it great. 80% of all these employees, they did it. And we forget all the other departments who didn't do it. And what we see now is that we only focus on the on the positive uh, departments and all the negatives, they say, oh, I'm not on that list. Why am I not on yeah. that list? Yeah, because that are the best performing departments. 80% of all these departments did it. Yeah, you didn't do it maybe, but if 80% of your employees do it, you also end up in this list. So, And what we see that works very well. So we use a little bit of competition between management to drive the support for our program. And that works very well. And we see also a little bit this, this competition ID. We also, for example, we use it by phishing. For many organizations, if they do phishing, they think it's a little bit negative. Employees, they say, yeah, but you send me a very bad phishing mail and I'm trapped into it. And it's your mistake that I clicked on that link and you did it by purpose. Because you had to go daddy, for example. Yeah. yeah. And they are negative because they look to you and say, yeah, you know everything, but you tricked me. And what we now do, we turn it around a little bit and we say, let's make a competition. And it's also a little bit what we have in our new gamification modules. We say, okay, you are now the fisher. You can develop a sort of scenario for your own organization. And what would be the story you have for what department, which department would you attack and with what story? And we have that in the modules, in the learning modules, but we sometimes also do that in real life. So we say to an organization, okay, this is your department, but if you are able to make a scenario for another department, would you do it? And what would be the story? And then there are all kinds of scenarios developed, and then we launch a scenario from one department to the other one. So it becomes a sort of competition and sort of gamification. And then they think, yeah, but one department is going for the other and the other is then making a new scenario and they go for the other. And it's much more positive because it's a sort of program for their own. And there's not a CISO who is saying you are doing it the wrong way. So that's also competition. So there's competition between employees and there can be a sort of competition between management. And there's much more sort of positive vibe in an organization. And the program is much more of themselves. So they are designing, they are the part, they are playing it. I think it works very well. And another thing what helps a lot is that if you only do training modules, which are off the shelf and sort of general, then everyone thinks, yeah, they're off the shelf. It's a sort of one size fits all. That's okay, but it's not for me. When you start measuring behavior and you give much more feedback to employees, then they can see, okay, Oh, you did a test. Oh, uh, this is the percentage we didn't do it or uh, they clicked on the link. So it are much more the figures of their own organization. 
In many organizations, when they do measurements, the reports are only given back to management. But often these reports are not given back to the employees. But in the end, you want to change the behavior of employees. So why are we not giving feedback to our employees? It's much stronger. And if you want to have commitment and if they have to understand why this is important for them as an employee, you have to give them much more feedback on the behavior and how you are doing. Otherwise, everyone will say, yeah, there's nothing happening over here. We are not doing anything wrong. There are no incidents. You don't want to have that. You're more or less hiding something. And when you're sharing the outcome, they're becoming also part of the progress. And it's also from a transparency perspective. Exactly. They want to know. They want to be involved. That it's it's something they have to know to to involve your employees. And that's a little bit why you can't say, oh, the weakest link and I will broadcast you some policies. They are part of the program and you have to involve them. Also ask employees what do you need? What tools do you need? What policies are difficult for you? So make the employee uh, the center point of your program and involve them in the program and ask them how you can improve. And that's often not done because they are not the center point of your program. And that helps a lot. And actually what you're saying and mentioned before is you are empowering your employees, doing it from a positive approach and also rewarding it instead of punishing them or blaming them. That's an interesting axle of approaching uh, that. Now I get better understanding why you are not liking the people putting as the wink, uh, leakest wink and, and also uh, setting the tone. It's from the top now. Yeah, of course, it's starting there, but your end users are actually the most important assets and also part of your success. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about end users, the admins in an environment are also end users. But if we look at admins, they have sometimes to deal with other stuff than than end users. Is security awareness only limited to the end users or do we have also programs for admins on that? Yeah, yeah. In, In one way, they are an end user. And, and again, if you look to the, the phishing tests, we uh, often have a phishing test specialized on IT personnel in general. Often we are scared after that because then 40%, 50%, they click on the link and the organization says, oh, but we thought that the IT personnel, they knew what they were talking about. They wouldn't click on our phishing links and they still do. So in fact, they are also just employees, just as all the others. We mentioned a little bit also management and CEO and CFOs, they have more rights. And that's also a little bit the case if you look to admins. They have privileged user rights. So if you look to hackers and attacks, the IT employees are very interesting for hackers because they have more rights than other employees. So they are often a victim. They are often the first to look at if you want to do something in an organization. And so there you need additional attention. When we do social engineering investigation and mystery guests, especially if you look to social engineering, the first we try to be when we call an organization is I'm the IT person. I'm the IT guy. That's the first I try to impersonate. You have to spend attention to that. IT employees are the most valuable in an organization. They have privilege accounts. 
if you look to, to special editions for IT, we have the common things. Yeah? If, you, if you go to the IT environment, don't use the standard passwords, which are enabled on equipment when they come in from the shop. That are things. But if you really go to IT, I think we have to focus more on secure development, security by design, privilege by design, that are really the more in-depth items for IT employees. So we have a sort of general behavior that's a little bit what I talked before, and then you can go more in depth. I think when you talk to a lot of organizations that we still miss a little bit the secure development knowledge. It's still not a sort of standard part of education. When many, many students come from school, that it, it's still not secure development, security by design is still not the sort of basic knowledge. So at this moment, what you see is many organizations are spending a lot of time on this issue. And uh, I think for our, that would be very nice. Yeah. Still, IT personnel is using something from the internet because they found something or they looked a nice tool and, and they start using it. And yeah, we are smiling about it, but that's it, often. Uh, I'm in the middle of, of the book. In Dutch, it's called uh, It's Oorlog, but nobody knows it. Uh, it's a war, but nobody knows it. And then there's an example of the, um, the Digi Nota case. When you read the story, then the question is, how could that have happened there? Because they have a very good uh, security and uh, everything was in place. And then and then on a certain page, they describe, yeah, but it was too difficult to go into the vault. And it was very cold in the vault. So the tech guy, he took a patch cable from the secure site and he took the patch cable outside of the, the secure vault. Because it, then it was much easier and I could still sit in my warm office and didn't go into the cold vault. So, And when the hack came, yeah, the hacker didn't go into the vault. He just had to hack that illegal station in the office. So there, what you see a little bit is, yeah, the technology was in place, but the IT guy thought it's much easier when I just put that patch cable in my office and I can connect to the vault. So that's a lot about behavior. And we have to understand that we cannot do that and that we also have to show and follow rules. And we have a lot of privileged accounts there. So that's all about IT and admins, I think. It's still needed to train our end users, but also IT personnel. But also, as you mentioned, uh, the, the higher people and, and the top of the, of the company, uh, the CEO uh, and the other people who have large privileges to access stuff like financial data and all that sort of stuff. What is your opinion about the maturity of the users in the Netherlands, but also wide in the area in the world? Is it still needed that we train our people? Yeah, the maturity is still not very high. I think if you go to a sort of maturity model, and uh, you would plot most of the companies on that model. I think that depends a little bit eh, how large your organization is, but we probably end up something like two, three. Two is a little bit, okay, sort of repeated attention. Three, it's more process. We start in educating our onboarding and eh, new employees that, that's entered. And maybe if you go to the maturity level four is where we start to measure the effectiveness. If you look to most of the companies, I see many organizations are only monitoring participation. So they say, oh, I have a workshop, I have e-learning. What do I measure? I measure the amount of employees who follow the training. That's what we measure. And if I'm lucky, 
I probably also measure maybe a little bit if they click on a phishing link, yes or no, because that's rather a common at this moment. So that are the two things they measure. If you really go on, okay, do you measure the effectiveness of your program? Often it's not the case. So I think a little bit if you look to the maturity level, two, three, that's rather common. So I think we can have a lot of improvement and really look at do we gain something? Is the program effective? Do we change anything? What are the risks? What do I have to tell? What do employees need? Yeah, we can improve a lot, I think, in that uh, area. And uh, there, there's still a lot to be done. Actually, we are putting a lot of attention when it comes to our security controls. Are you actually saying that the effort we are spending into security awareness is in the line? We are focusing more on the technology instead of also the human part. And wouldn't it be wise to invest speaking like uh, Domine Force and own parochi? I'm not sure what the, what the English <laughs> translation English is. But, yeah, <laughs> you, you, got, you get the point. Uh, is, is it wisely? Is it, shouldn't we invest more in, in security awareness? And at the end, we'll be more efficient than only putting our money investing in technology. Yeah, I think you cannot choose one or the other. It has to be combined. But, but maybe also for the for the people listening at this moment, eh, how many projects have you done in the last year? Often probably technology projects. And in how many of these projects was training of the employee part of that project? And how much budget was there? How much attention was there for training the employees? That would be my question. And often we do a sort of implementation of a new technology and a new project. And then, okay, we turn uh, the key and then we say, okay, it's finalized now. We, I yeah. delivered it. We do a sort of functional check at the end. So say, is this okay? Is this okay? Yeah, think, 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 check, check, check. And then it's finished. And then yeah, people have true. to start working with it. So what did we do to educate it? A simple example, I already mentioned the privacy settings on a mobile phone. How many employees have had a sort of training for using a mobile phone and the privacy settings on a mobile phone? We just assume that everyone can work with it. But that's not the case. It's just an assumption. And sometimes I say, and I will not say it today, but assumption is the mother of. Yeah, we all know, known phrase. Yeah, but that's the case. And uh, to answer that question to you, when I'm involved with projects, sometimes there is some change in adoption, but that's only a slightly part of the project. And it's because we, we agree it's important, but if you look at it, it's marginal and it's not always uh, educating them in, in the ways of privacy or from a security perspective. And that was also, yeah, actually it's answering a question uh, is, is how well we are trained, how well is, is our maturity level when it comes to security awareness. And actually, yeah, you more or less answering that question. We, we highly focused on technology and we kindly giving the end users attention. But if it's enough or even more important, if it's sufficient, it's a questionable, I think. I think there are a lot of technology persons in, in this call. We received a new CRM system, I think a half year ago. And uh, the first question of the implementation partner was not, can I uh, look at the security features in this tool? What shall we do with two-factor authentication? How do we make the backup? That was not the first question. It's a functional uh, question and let's finish and deliver it and then you're all ready. The same discussion, I think, in, in a lot of uh, outsourcing deals. 
the first question should be, is it secure? And, and did we spend uh, enough time on all the security features, right? the security by design? That's also a thing we can enter. And then did we educate people? Did we educate them enough? Is it yeah. part of the project? Often it's not part. Should be a mindset. Yeah, it should be a mindset. It's a part of every project. And then we are starting to come uh, somewhere. You mentioned about time, so we, we are almost more ending to our podcast. So one final question for our listeners is actually, do you have a message and, uh, or a call to action for our listeners when it comes to security awareness you, you want to, to share with them? That's a difficult one. We spoke about it for uh, three quarters of an hour. So um, that's, uh, that's our that's the message. No, that's not the message, but the message is more see the value, especially for a person interested in technology. Don't see it as a sort of compliance thing, as a, as a sort of checkbox. And yeah, 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 I also have to do that. Make human behavior uh, also a sort of teaching and training an important part in a, in a project. The features started really start from the beginning and then think of what's possible in security by design. That helps a lot. But also, maybe you have to check with your employees, can they use it? Is it easy to use? Uh, often we think, yeah, technology solves a problem, but it's not always easy to use. Is it acceptable for employees? If you look to the discussion around passwords, everyone say, yeah, you have to have a strong password. My question always is, is it possible? Is it possible in a large organization that you maybe have 20 passwords and you have to change it every three months? In another strong passwords, and then you have to be a longer password than eight uh, letters yeah. and ciphers and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. My idea is not possible. Don't ask it from employees to do that. We have to find a solution for that. So not about technology. It's also about, is it easy to use? Is it acceptable for an employee? That would be a very nice question as part of a project plan. Yeah, Maybe that's... that could be a sort of selection item if you have to select multiple products that you think about, is it easy to use? Ease of use helps a lot. Yeah, that makes it more user convenient. And if it's more user convenient, then yeah, what you say with passwordless, it's more user convenient. They're not using the passwords anymore. And yeah, then you're also decreasing the threats and the risks which are involved with using passwords. So yeah, security versus usability, that's a true, yeah. Yeah, finding it's, right it's a difficult discussion. Eh? I often have the discussion about password managers and then people start asking me, yeah, but if I put all my passwords into the cloud and the cloud is hacked, then all my passwords are known on the Internet. Yeah, maybe. But the way you are at this moment, you are handling your passwords. And probably if you look to the complexity of your passwords, it's probably not very safe and it's no. easy to crack. And you're probably using all the same passwords in all the same places. So is that safe? So we think that we can have a sort of ideal world. That's not the case. We want to have a sort of safety, but it must be usable. And that's a little bit what I saw also in the chat. And maybe usability is much more important than only safety. I believe it's going hand in hand. And yeah. yeah. And we have to focus more. So also in yeah. the development process that you think, okay, maybe you have to hire more people who are designing usable systems. Many thanks for having you in this podcast. Thank you for sharing your thoughts about security awareness. Great to have you. Thank you for your time. 
also our listeners thank you very much and then i uh, would say the end is for uh, france to wrap it up and uh... yeah the next event of our workplace ninjas user group is at the 2nd of february where kenny buntix and marlijn van Waaienbergen will have a webinar about how real time is endpoint manager today That is the next webinar and our next live Ask Us Anything event will be on the 23rd of February, the same time, 4 to 5 p.m. And it's all about identity governance and passwordless. So Samantha Close will join us as a guest. She works at Microsoft. She will introduce herself in that meeting. So for now, I say thank you for watching, asking questions and listening to this session. We will see each other on the 23rd of February in a new version of Live Ask Us Anything. See you then. Bye bye.